All right, and we're going out to Milwaukee. The Games and Grub podcast. Hey, well, what are we calling this? Grubs of Games? Games and Grubs? Games and Grubs. So, Games and Grubs. All right. Games and Grubs. Best podcast on the planet. How are we doing? Thanks for supporting the Games and Grub. Shout out Games and Grub Radio. Friendship with the Games and Grub podcast. Welcome yeah. to Games and Grub. I appreciate your patience tonight. It's been a moment since I've done some public speaking. I find nowadays it's, you know best to keep quiet but uh sometimes you just gotta let it out young angel and young lion you know what it is uh look i'm the property of october i ain't drive here i got chauffeur bring me champagne happy halloween happy halloween happy halloween how are you zach doing wonderful how's my uh, favorite buddy elf doing over there <sighs> somebody need a hug <laughs> oh wait, that that'd be more than six feet. I'm sorry if you can't intrude on that. So Aiden currently is wearing a Buddy Elf costume because it is none other than the October 31st Halloween. You got that right. We are here on a Halloween spooktacular type special here on Games and Grub. Call us up on the phones at 414-288-7091 and on Twitter and Instagram at GrubMUR. That's how you get us there on the phones and on social media. We've got a big show coming up. We've got our first installment of Milwaukee Coffee coming up at the top of the hour at 11 a.m., so about 30 minutes from now. I will play my spot with Dave Phillips, co-owner of Coffee for Wellness with Phil Mickelson, none other. That's That was a great interview. We've got that coming up. We'll talk about Phil Mickelson continued and his announced match in golf <laughs> the Friday after Thanksgiving. It'll be him and Charles Barkley versus Stephen Curry and Peyton Manning. How will that come up? Who do you got? We'll get to that right we'll get after. To it. We'll get to that right after Phil's segment, right after Coffee for Wellness. Our first installment of Milwaukee Coffee will go right into the golf because that is something I do really want to get to. We'll talk NFL. Are the Patriots imploding? Are the Cowboys imploding? Second of all, yes. Spoiler. You got to hear Buda Baker and DK Metcalf coming down the end zone. The Jets had four yards in an NFL game in one second half. We'll talk Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID-19. We'll get into our grub. Do not worry. Cheesemakers are struggling during the pandemic. Sweet potatoes are getting smashed left and right and not in a good way. And then in baseball, the Dodgers win the World Series, but obviously, Justin Turner testing positive for COVID. Again, ruined the atmosphere. Not a good look. We're going to talk about Clayton Kershaw's voice. Really caught me this week. We're going to talk about the White Sox hiring Tony La Russa. And we are going to talk about John Lester giving free beer to Cubs fans. It's all coming up in this next hour and a half right here on Games and Grub. Zach, was there one story before we get started? One food you ate this week, one story, one class you had, one one part of the college experience that really stuck out to you this week that you thought was noticeable? Yeah, so definitely this week uh, I learned a lot about myself and the world around me through little social experiments we do in the house. Uh, this past week, we have so we have nine people living in the house, and this past week, we made brownies. Oh gosh, we're a big like baking house. I would say, Huge. would you agree? Huge. We have like brownies rolling in like once every other every three days, 
Um, and we found out that you can't make brownies or cookies in the house. Like anyone makes them, there's at least half the house there. Or at least four people, more than half the house. This is a good baking tip for college students and families alike. That go, because it's just the smell, the aroma, invariates people to come downstairs, go upstairs, and and eat my brownies. Sometimes I make them, sometimes you make them, and I'm I'm coming up there and I'm I'm eating your brownies. So it's a trade-off. It happens. I love the the atmosphere in our kitchen when we have a nice big brownie kind of thing set up and a nice big we got a bunch of people yeah a bunch of people come in yeah so that that was my one experience from this past week of college that that stood out learning that you can't make cookies or brownies in our house without half the people trying to eat them that is a great point when you're in a big atmosphere when that's a good thing i'm not complaining oh it's a great thing because we are very fortunate especially during these hard times in in america to have Social. Not only not only a big group, yeah, and and be living together with with in our case seven other people. It's a house of nine, but then also having the ability to cook the br- bake the brownies or cookies at some point. Have the supplies. We are eternally grateful and and indebted in that respect. But <laughs> but let me just transition to the other side for five seconds or more than that, if you give me time. Having that dynamic that you just mentioned. Yep. They're not really your brownies. No, they never are. They you're, never you're are. You're entirely right. They're, they never are, and it becomes... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best... I, I said it. I think I called it as a, an investment in my future. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I make brownies. I can talk to you guys for so long in the kitchen, and we can kind of learn. I, I try to ask each person, like, what's one thing you learned today? Try to learn from them because we're in an, a learning atmosphere. So I'm already in a, the mindset. I use the brownie as just get as people together. Yeah, exactly. Get people together and learn something from someone. We had Sean Marash on at the beginning, at the end of the summer, one of our first shows. And you just heard him in our new intro. What is this? Grubs and games, games and grub. Yeah, it's games and grub. And he said games and grubs. Okay. He mentioned in our interview that the biggest part about sports and food, how they relate so much is that communal aspect of it. It's it's the congregation the of people. It's the same thing with the brownies. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. So that was him, grubs and games, games and grub. When you hear that voice, that is who you're thinking of, Mr. Sean Mirage. Hey, well, what do we call this? Grubs and games, games and grubs? Games and grubs. So games and grubs, all right. That, that was him. So he was the same guy that talked about the brownie being the just the communal nature yeah. of living in a house. Mm-hmm. So if you got your own baking problems or you want to vent to us, 414-288-7091. Let's, yeah, t- get, let's get started with with some football thoughts because a couple of what are so-called America's teams or anti-America's team, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots, our beloved team, my beloved team, are struggling right now. That These are the two headline teams i'd say that made the most headlines after week six seven seven of the nfl we're going into week eight wow fast doesn't that time flies when you're having fun Mm -hmm. or time flies when you're in a pandemic either way the dallas cowboys got throttled by washington by 25 points it didn't even seem like they wanted to play similarly the new england patriots throttled at home 
by the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe the worst team in the NFL, uh, in the, excuse me, NFC West. Still, I, I understand they made the Super Bowl last year. It was 33-6. to It was Belichick's worst home loss as a New England Patriot coach. So the Patriots are in trouble. Cam Newton has not looked good. And there is no better person to tell you than my man, Stephen A. Smith. I feel sorry for the Patriots. I'm worried about Cam. I feel sorry for the Patriots because you come into the season about nine different defensive players don't want to show up because of COVID-19. And then you've got a situation where you've got to stop practicing and shut down your facilities on at least two or three occasions for crying out loud. I'm looking at all of those things with a new quarterback and I'm like, damn, regardless of how great Bill Belichick is, that's a lot to overcome. Do you feel bad for the Patriots as, as Stephen A. says? No. It's entirely their doing. They, they have control. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I think Circumstances they were handed. Feel, feeling bad is the wrong feeling. Circumstances were handed to them that, that weren't ideal, but that doesn't mean you can feel bad for. You just got to improve. Hey, in the way I see it, they can only get better from here. <laughs> <laughs> Scary enough. Don't don't call me on that. I, I completely agree. And it's a, it's a, right now, sad state of affairs that we're in with the New England Patriots. But as I mentioned, or as Zach mentioned, excuse me, there's only really one way to go up, go, go, and that's up from here because we talked about Cam Newton, or Stephen A just talked about Cam Newton. He looked rough again this weekend. Ever since testing positive for COVID, he has been in a rough spell. And speaking of those quarterbacks testing positive for COVID, whew, what a transition by me. Trevor Lawrence, he tested positive, and we're, we're transitioning to college a little bit. The star Clemson quarterback, the undisputed potentially number one pick in the next year's NFL draft, tested positive this week. He will not play today against Boston College. And what's more the story, and I know Zach wants to get to this, Notre Dame plays Clemson in nine days. Is that right? No, excuse me. It's a it's seven days. It will be next Saturday, right? Yeah, they play on the seventh. So the big question is, I don't think the question is whether he will – be effective or well whether Clemson will be effective against well, they, BC yep. they'll win the game against BC I agree. today completely agree I'm not worried about that but Zach are you concerned about Clemson next week against Notre Dame potentially without Trevor Lawrence and what do you think his chances are to actually play in that game see I don't even know if I'm concerned I, I don't like the the media outlook on these stories uh, Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID should go more ways than Will Clemson still make the playoffs if they lose to Notre Dame? That's the storyline everyone's hearing. What's going to happen in that Notre Dame-Clemson game on the 7th? I think Clemson's going to still win it. But regardless, even if they lose, they get a chance in the ACC championship game, like you said, like we talked about yesterday. So I I really don't think it's that big of a problem. But the the media loves to pick up the number one quarterback, who's honestly not even going to go to the league this year if if he's going to go to the Jets, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so what other way do you think the conversations should be going besides just is Clemson going to make the playoffs? Will Trevor Lawrence be back in two weeks? Will he act the same way? Remember Cam Newton come back? Will, will he have a little slump because he's off for those two weeks? That's a lot of time to take off of some, some grind that he's been on since, what, middle of summer, early summer? That's tough. And You're been, in a rhythm. And they've been talking about, similar just to your point, if he ends up playing in the Notre Dame game, he could potentially play with potentially zero practice days under his belt. So Day of. 
put him in the game. Dale, I don't know if I trust game. it. You don't? No. See, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it because I think even if he's quarantined and, and has to go under protocol, there's a million Zoom uh, QB meetings and you know meeting rooms he could be in to be able to play. Physically, I know it's a little bit of a detriment, but we've seen the majority of these pro athletes come back and even during symptoms or if they're asymptomatic, they feel like they could, you know, Rudy Gobert was the most famous to first test positive for COVID in professional sports. And he said the next day that, you know, he could play in a full 60 minute game. So, or in the, in the NBA's case, 48 minutes. But I think from a physical standpoint, from a mental, you know, preparation standpoint, I could totally see him rolling out of, rolling out of bed first week free out of lockdown and playing against Notre Dame. I don't know how effective he'll be, but I think he could do it. And he's he's leading a movement. He led the movement in college football to get the season going. And and he was a part of that we want to play movement that that sparked Twitter for for a good week. And he's really I would say he's the reason ACC and SEC and and the conferences that started started start on the right time. With exception to the Big Ten, obviously. Well, and, and now the Big Ten's in shambles with Wisconsin <laughs> uh, not being able to play this this upcoming week. But er. Did you see Wisconsin's potential starting QB this week? Is it their wide receiver? No, it's their fourth string. His name is, you ready for this? Yeah. Danny Vandenboom. Don't you want a guy like Vandenboom on your roster on Halloween? Oh, that's even better. Today's Halloween. They could be playing a game against who's Wisconsin playing today. They could have Danny Vandenboom under center. Oh my! Six six five two zero seven triple threat. This is beautiful. So, if you're a Badger fan, don't be scared because the Vandenboom is lay is here. To Vanden lay down the booming hammer. There's there's a <laughs> there's a metaphor in there somewhere. We gotta find it. Or if you found it, 414-288-7091 at GrubMUR. How about the Dallas Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? As our friend Stephen A would say. The Cowboys are in shambles, both from a football perspective, so we are games, and then a food perspective, so we are grub. Because they've got a couple problems in in Ooh. the in the for leadership front office. Jerry Jones, the owner and the GM, went on 105 The Fan in Dallas this week in his weekly interview and told the hosts to quote, "Shut up and let me answer." Does your team have a leadership void? One. <laughs> um, uh, we're in the offensive line. We're, just o- just uh, overall, when these. But, but seriously, seriously, where, where do you, where would you have a leadership void? Is it an experience void? Is it a talent void? Is it a leadership void? I'm not trying to be cute here. The answer is yeah. no. The answer yeah. is no. I, I'm asking. A, ju- there's not a. Well, just shut up and let me answer. No. I'm not sure that's an appropriate question Jerry, to even ask. When you go into the locker room, what I'm asking is, do you f- see the intangibles? You're not asking me that. I gave you the I gave you the answer. When I go into the locker room, there's no leadership void in my eyes. Okay. okay. Now that's your answer. So you think that's an unfair question to ask? Yes, absolutely. Of the host. Well, to Jerry Jones, who's not even. I mean, yes, he's involved with the organization, but 
He's the GM. I know, but think about the players. Think about how much more they see the leadership on the field and off the field. Plus, you don't ask the, the coach or GM of a team if you don't have something. Well, he was asking if he did have. Yeah, did have a point. leadership void. Is there a void in the leadership of the Cowboys? Because Dak Prescott's out. I agree with Jerry Jones. I don't. Think there the, might be. I don't think the problem is leadership. I think the way he describes Mike McCarthy... He could be that guy, but the problem is the players don't agree, and the players have spoken out. They've gone to, they've texted the beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys, Jane Slater, down there, who's working on site, and said, These coaches, quote, are bad at their jobs and, quote, don't know what they're doing with their jobs and don't know how to control the locker room. So the Cowboys, off a brutal loss to Washington, who is just one of the dregs of the NFC East, they're in trouble. And they're in trouble more than in more ways than one, including that wretched defense run by defensive coordinator Mike Nolan. He was in his press conference this week, and we mentioned their, their, the Cowboys' grub being off. Just listen to this hilarious clip from Mike Nolan during his press conference. Uh, obviously, the frustration for him as well is just, you know, look, when he misses them, nobody, whoops, excuse me. I got something in my eye. Um, just had some Tabasco on my finger and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh. Never good. It's terrible. Jeez. Yeah. I'm sorry. How about that beat reporter in the back going, oh, that's the worst. He had Tabasco in his eye? So he had. How do you get you, Tabasco in your eye? If you watch this visual, I have no idea. If you watch this visual, on, it's on Twitter and ESPN everywhere. The fact that he was going through the press conference, he had his mask in his hand, so he, had, he didn't have a mask on during the interview. It was probably safe, and he was probably you know instructed he could take his mask off. But he had his mask in one hand, and his other hand was just free, and he started talking about this one player, and he starts rubbing his eye and all of a sudden it gets really aggravated and he just starts digging at it. And as you see in the middle of the clip, he's like, Oh, sorry guys. I got Tabasco on my finger. And, and he starts asking the audience, Oh, you ever have that? Have me? Oh, it's the worst. And then the beat reporter in the back goes, Oh, can't have that. that that's the worst. Oh, that was an awesome clip. And it just sums up the Cowboys season in a nutshell. The games is off. The grubs is off. But games and grub is, is on. on. Wow, we are rolling right now. Happy Halloween. We are here. It's 414-288-7091. That's the number. Couple couple more NFL points I get to real quick. Buda Baker, one of the rising star safeties in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals, almost had a length of the field pick six last Sunday in their near upset win at home over the Seahawks. Picked off Russell Wilson, went all the way back, and he was caught at around the 10 or so yard line by DK Metcalf, the specimen of a human being out of Ole Miss. Here's how that clip went. Buda Baker mic'd up being tackled after almost getting a pick six. Catch my ass. What the? F- That's what I'm talking about. Boy. 
How did he catch my ass? What the bleep? <laughs> DK Metcalf hit 23 miles per hour on like 70 yards of right? running down the field. 23 miles an hour in that oh chase down goodness. tackle. That didn't prevent the score in the end. They, they got did three they? points. They, okay, so they prevented the, they prevented the touchdown. prevented the touchdown. So the Cardinals ended up only getting a field goal on that That's, possession. That's a player that can do it all. That's a Jabril Peppers. Well, Jabril, get, it, get someone that can play multiple positions. Jabril Peppers hasn't really fanned out in the NFL, I would say. He did it. Giants fans he would, would disagree. He say he stinks. Shout out to our man Sean Mirage, <sighs> who says he stinks. Anyway, the New York Jets, we just mentioned Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are in prime position right now to draft Trevor Lawrence at number one if he does decide to declare for the NFL draft. But Trevor Lawrence this week, before he tested positive for COVID-19, which has obviously become more of the story, Lawrence said this week that, quote, who knows if he will end up going pro. He was interviewed this week in his weekly press conference. He said, quote, and this is by Pete Iacobelli of the Associated Press, quote, my mindset has been that I'm going to move on, presumably to the NFL. Quote, but who knows? There's a lot of things that could happen. Zach, the, the, Jets, the Jets tanking is one of those things. Do you think he is nervous about potentially being New York Jet? I don't think. I think people are nervous. I don't think he is. The New York Jets. And I, I also think people will say, even if he holds out and stays in Clemson, people will say it's because the Jets. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go to the Jets organization. It's not that. We saw little rumblings of this last year with Joe Burrow, when maybe potentially some people in his camp are mentioning not wanting to be a Cincinnati Bengal and, and be part of the Bengals organization. It ended up not happening. He he he's leading that team to to the so-called promised land right now. But Trevor Lawrence may be heading to a team that in the second half, a full second half of an NFL game this past week, got four yards. Four yards against the Bills in the entire second half. That That's hard to do. <laughs> having having four, four yards. yards in the second half of a full NFL game. And they actually led the Bills. One of the, some people would say, the best team in, one of the best teams in the AFC. One, maybe the best team in the AFC East right now. It hurts me to say. They have four yards against them. So, good luck to the Jets. Good, good luck, luck to, to Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Good luck to Trevor Lawrence. Really good luck to him. He's staying at Clemson. We, we wish him. We wish no, him. I hope he does. We wish him health and safety. And apparently, Zach wishes he's there at Clemson for one more year. You really think he has an opportunity? He shouldn't. To stay? He has an opportunity to stay, and and I think he loves the game a lot. Like pure game, the loves Dabo, game. the college game, everything about it. But I, it's not worth it. He's he. It makes so much sense for him to go to the league financially and in in most ways. I would say we wouldn't have a hyped-up type quarterback coming out of college um, this far since Rosen, Andrew Andrew Luck. Luck. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was the one guy that I looked at when we were growing up. Maybe that was around, we were 12 or 13, 2012, 2013. I got an Andrew Luck rookie card somewhere in my house. Really? Yep. Oh, that could could have been worth something because once the – Colts let go of Peyton Manning. It was it was doomsday in Indianapolis, and they had the opportunity to get Andrew Luck 
out of Stanford when Jim Harbaugh was the coach. Oh, my gosh. Think about that day. Jim Harbaugh has gone from Stanford to the 49ers and been to three NFC Championships games, almost won a Super Bowl, and now he's back in college by the time Andrew Luck has been out of the league, by the time we're sitting here on this desk today. Anyway, I haven't seen this hyped up of a college quarterback in terms of the NFL draft since Andrew Luck, and now we got Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, well, trending on Twitter shows it's take for Trevor, and it was <laughs> back when Luck was coming out of college. Suck for luck. Suck for luck. So maybe you could do lose for Lawrence. Ooh. You could do yeah, tank for Trevor. Uh bust for the uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of ones on the fly here. If you got one, if you got a take on our NFL stories, four one four two eight eight seven zero nine one. Again, that's four one four two eight eight seven zero nine one on Twitter at GrubMUR. So I mentioned we're almost at the top of the hour and want to tease Milwaukee Coffee. This is the first installment this week. You'll hear about it in our full interview. But I sat down with Dave Phillips of Titleist Performance Institute. He's been a top 50 golf digest teacher in America. And now he's just a holistic body performance coach as a whole, not just golf. He's working with, you know, before we... I'll give you a little teaser, behind-the-scenes stuff. When we recorded this interview off-air, he was talking about, I was asking him how his day was, and he was like, yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a busy day over here, and we've got a couple we've got a couple PGA Tour players, we've got a couple Major League Baseball pitchers here in the office. So, so yeah, it's been a busy day. And, and you won't hear that on air, but that, that just goes to show this guy knows what he talks about with human body performance. But in this scope of this conversation what he knows most i believe is coffee the dude knows coffee he was born in england raised in africa and as you'll hear in the interview he's lived in around 27 countries throughout his entire life and as phil mickelson was going through his struggles he was there to help him out dave phillips you'll hear in this week's interview with milwaukee coffee here is the debut. Myself, Dave Phillips, Let It Run. Ever have something that started as a joke become serious reality? Yes, you can throw all those premature COVID-19 jokes in that bucket, even though you couldn't control it. Having a joke become serious business, literally, is how Coffee for Wellness started. Most sports fans will know the name of Phil Mickelson. A fun-loving PGA Tour veteran, Mickelson has spent 26 years as a top 50 ranked golfer in the world, including over 700 weeks in the top 10. He is one of only eight players in history to win over 40 tournaments and five majors. Simply put, he is a legend of the game. But one day in July, his play was at a complete low point. Phil went on a six-day fast, drinking nothing but water and a certain unique coffee blend. It was a melting pot of superfoods and nootropics that combined with coffee's natural antioxidants, and it brought Phil back. Feeling better than ever, and even losing 15 pounds, Phil was indebted to this unique, unorthodox coffee blend. Who was the mastermind behind that? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Aiden. That'd be Dave Phillips, Mickelson's right-hand man, 
and performance coach for nearly 20 years, who's also been one of the top 100 golf instructors every year this millennium. Simply put, he is also a legend of his game. But one day in July, he added another notch to his belt. As you'll hear from the man himself in his conversation with me, Dave Phillips started what's now known as Coffee for Wellness just for Phil Mickelson. It was all a joke until one friend in the coffee industry gave them a light at the end of what they thought to be a non-existent tunnel. This should be a business sold to others, he told them. A joke between two legends of their games was now reality. A six-month supply of the coffee sold out in a day. With two coffee lovers like these two spearheading the movement, who knows what is possible for Coffee for Wellness. One thing I'm thankful for that was possible was to talk to the whole man behind it. In this week's interview, in the first installment of Milwaukee Coffee, here is Mr. Dave Phillips. We now welcome on a very, very, very special guest. He has spent 27 years as a world-class golf performance coach, been a top 50 teacher in America by Golf Digest, and has been a golf magazine top 100 teacher every year since 2000. He is the founder of TPI, the Titleist Performance Institute, and more importantly for this conversation, he is at the head of a revolution in the coffee industry with Coffee for Wellness, his new product, co-founded by himself and the legendary Phil Mickelson. He is Mr. Dave Phillips. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Aiden. Of course. I, I have to start with Phil and, and how this Coffee for Wellness idea came about. So now Phil is on the record saying once his golf game started deteriorating, he, he actually fasted for six days in July, drinking nothing but water and, and your created coffee blend. So so give the audience a glimpse to the recipe and, and some of the benefits. Sure. So, you know, I, I've been friends with Phil for about 20 years and um, I grew up in Africa of all places in Kenya. And uh, from a young childhood, I started drinking coffee, which kept me healthy. And uh, through the performance business, I noticed that a lot of athletes uh, drink coffee as, as many students do to get their day kicked off. In fact, 82% of the world start their day with a cup of coffee. So I started adding additives to it that could create more of a superfood. Coffee on its own is very healthy. It's the highest antioxidant thing you can put in your body. But if you add a few ingredients to it, it can actually be really beneficial. Not only could it create an alertness and become kind of a focus additive, but it can also help you modify your diet, stay full, and so on and so forth. So when Phil came to me and said, uh, you know, can you help me lose a little weight? And I suggested we go on a little bit of a fast to kind of reset his system and uh, as he started it he was very hungry as you would be if you stopped eating food so I said well why don't we add some coffee and as long as I put some ingredients it'll be it'll like trick your body into thinking you're eating when you're not and it'll help you sustain the fast so we created a coffee that has something called MCT which is a medium chain triglyceride we use powder and then uh, collagen some cinnamon, some Himalayan salt, some um, uh, amino acid called L-theanine, which reacts with caffeine really well. So if you get jittery after coffee and you put in L-theanine, it'll actually cut out the caffeine. It'll make you very focused, but you won't feel those nervous jitters that you get. And uh, that was the base. And then we added a few extra ingredients. He likes to add Manuka honey and also some almond milk to his coffee. And we made that and that, that created coffee for wellness. And then we 
kind of built a company out of it kind of as a joke at first, almost like a fun challenge. And now it's actually become a pretty big thing. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. So talk about the development of the company. You just mentioned it at the end, but you said it almost started as a joke. But but this year at, at Winged Foot, you guys, you and Phil officially debuted the product. And how has that been going, that, that sort of transition? Yeah, it's actually been quite amazing um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we've got a really good supplier for our coffee, and uh, I source it from Africa and South America, and then I blend it, and it gives you a very high antioxidant value. But, you know, at first we were kind of joking when I made this for him that, wow, this tastes so good, we should we should start a company. And then all of a sudden one day we met a, a friend of ours that was in the coffee business, and he goes, not only should you do it, here's how you should do it, and I'll help you do it if you're interested. So we we were like, hey, this could be a fun project. And, uh, you know, we started it and uh, we launched it the week of kind of winged foot, the U.S. Open, and we sold out in a day of a six month supply. And we're just kind of uh, getting things rolling and getting all of our pieces together. And uh, we'll see what we've got. We've got a pretty good following and some great people that are jumping on the bandwagon. And the product really works. So not only does it taste good, but with the additive that you pour in your coffee, it creates this blend that is that is actually like a superfood that will actually help you uh, feel full, but also be focused. And it has some health benefits, too. It's really interesting because there seems to be a curve in the coffee market in terms of what you and Phil are doing and, and obviously a couple of other companies where it's starting to become more of a, as you mentioned, a superfood in the sense that you can sort of transform it to you know, let go of, of the normal commercialized sugary coffee market and, and sort of transition into making it sort of a health food. Do you see it as, as a trend that you think more and more Americans will pick up on? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, obviously Bulletproof coffee probably started a bit of the craze and you know performance athletes have always drunk coffee even marathon runners you know there's some research coming out that shows that it doesn't really keep you up at night as much as we thought it did and uh, there's also some you know it's it's mostly made up of water so the fact that people think it dries you out there's a lot of triathletes and athletes that will actually drink a cup of coffee before they start to give them a boost and um, that's coming from some of the caffeine that's in it, obviously. But when you blend that out and you add some other ingredients, you know, caffeine can make you jittery. Um, we use an amino acid called L-theanine that actually reacts really well with caffeine to cut those jitters out. So I do, I do think that you're going to see this continue. I mean, I've seen it in some of the cold brew beverages that you're seeing and uh, some different markets. Uh, we've got kind of our own little niche of the way we do things. Not to say that there won't be copycats and others, because there certainly will. But um, we've got a pretty... Uh, pretty cool person that's promoting it in Phil and the way he does it. And I, I think it's got, it's got a chance to be pretty successful. Absolutely. Dave Phillips here from Coffee for Wellness. You're a self-proclaimed quote unquote coffee custodian, coffee snob, whatever you want to call it. You, you mentioned you're born in England, but, but raised in Africa. How did the culture in, in your upbringing basically make you a coffee, it's sort of a, a connoisseur, a sommelier? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it started when I was very young. At six years old, my dad used to throw me on the back of a Land Rover, take me out into the, the bush in Kenya. And uh, 
we befriended a Maasai tribe, believe it or not, and the guy used to make us coffee. And he used to go up in the hills and get these beans, and he would boil it in a tin pot. And my dad would give me this coffee at six years old, and he goes, don't tell your mom, but drink this. It'll be the healthiest thing you put in your body. <laughs> and it, that, was my, uh, that was my introduction. And I was exposed to coffee at a young age, but I lived, I lived in 27 different countries, had an amazing childhood. And one of the things that was, you know, that, that anchor in my life was that cup of coffee. And it's not like I drank tons of coffee. It's just every morning I, I had a cup of coffee. And so as I got into my world and, you know, I was in the golf business and the golf world and then sports world and became a high performance coach, coaching all kinds of athletes, I started, you know, coffee was still very prevalent. I noticed it in other people, but I travel around the world a lot with what I do. And one of my hobbies in every new city I go to is to hunt down coffee shops that are known as these guys make the best coffee. So my palate is very wide in that, you know, I can taste the difference between something from Yemen and something from Ethiopia, Rwanda, all the way down into Colombia, into the hills of New Guinea, into, into uh, India, you know, Sumatra, all over. So as a result, you know, without there being a true coffee sommelier, there, there actually are coffee sommeliers. There's something called a Q grader, and there's only a couple thousand of them in the world, and these are the highest rated coffee sommeliers. I'm more of just a, a coffee nerd that loves coffee, <laughs> and that's kind of how I got into it. So, you know, it's just, it, it's one of those things that I, I feel like I know a lot about coffee because it's been part of my life since I was young. And, and now to be in that business and in the sports business, I got the best of both worlds. So we're we're live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're out in in Oceanside, California. But how different do you see you know the American coffee culture from that African upbringing? Do do you find it harder to to get a good cup in the states, uh, states and and find a good roaster there? Well, I think it's getting better. You know, I mean, at first coffee, you know, everything is bigger in America. Everything is better. So most people get a vente or a large cup of coffee. A lot of times it's full of sugar and it's what you put in your coffee that kind of destroys it. And, you know, I've always been a black coffee drinker. And then, but nowadays there's a lot of gourmet kind of specialty coffee shops. And there's some really, really good ones in America. You can find a good cup of coffee in any town. But, you know, if you really want a good cup of coffee, you would go after a pour over some kind of pour over where they weigh the amount of coffee to the amount of water I always blend the coffee because if you actually blend your coffee and get air bubbles in it like you would a glass of wine not that you guys drink or anything but if <laughs> <laughs> like a glass of wine you you actually get a different flavor and taste so if I can get oxygen or air bubbles into my coffee it actually tastes even better so there's a tip for everybody uh, whisk your coffee or blend your coffee in the morning it'll taste even better but, but you know I think if you go to Europe Europe is very much an espresso market a lot of people if you're in Spain if you're in Italy they drink a, a shot of espresso or a double espresso they like a stronger more full-bodied coffee you know if you go to Asia they're very precise with their coffee so they the types of beans and the types of um, things they do are very much more like the tea world and again the coffee can be very good if you go to South America it's very different if you come to the US you get the the bulk coffee, the, the Starbucks of these worlds that are just pushing as many cups through as they want. Um, and yet they are now offering more, you know, they have something called the Clover 
coffee maker in certain Starbucks. If you have a Clover coffee, that's an amazing cup of coffee. And that's more dense. Um, it's a special type of coffee maker they made. But then if you go to your local coffee makers and find the ones that are using the really good quality espresso machines, like a Marzacco machine or, or something of that nature, you can get a really good cup of coffee. So it, it's starting to level the playing field now. Now, I did start this segment, Milwaukee Coffee, at, here at, at Marquette Radio to try to raise awareness for for Milwaukee as a coffee city. I, I was very disappointed. I'll tell you right off the bat that um, in the t- 2020 best coffee cities in America, Milwaukee was ranked 87th, and I was, I was very disappointed. But you mentioned going over your cities and not only how many countries but how many you know it's it's almost a quest for you every every american city that you try to get to find the best coffee shop so are there a lot of have have you seen some sort of highlight cities a couple that, that have really stuck out to you uh yeah i mean there's there's a lot of really good coffee shops around america and around the world and um you know i i'm in southern california here obviously southern california tends to be a little bit the front of a bit more of a a healthy lifestyle only because the weather's good and you can be outside longer. So people tend to get more active because they have that opportunity. There are some really cool boutique shops in Southern California. Bird Rock is one that, that, that makes great coffee and they have an online product. Lofty is another one that makes great coffee and has an online product as well. And then, you know, there's another one called Barefoot and Barefoot's one of my favorites and they have shops also up in San Francisco area as well. You get up into Portland and Oregon, they're big into coffee. So Seattle, Portland area, there's a lot of mom and pop coffee shops. But you know, what's beautiful is you can literally go all over America and find great coffee. Now, a lot of them are still serving coffee from Kenya, coffee from Ethiopia, you know, which tend to be a lighter grade coffee. So something like Ethiopian coffee, what most people think is dark coffee beans or a dark roast has more caffeine. It doesn't. It actually has more sugar and a little bit more flavor, but it has less caffeine. It's the light roasted coffee that has more caffeine and tends to be a little bit more flowery. So those are your Ethiopian coffees, your dense coffees from places like Brazil, Colombia, where they're really strong coffees. They don't tend to be quite as much caffeine. They're a little bit more of a chocolatey type of sugary flavor than the the African coffees. But all of those coffees are sold in every coffee shop, so you can find yourself some great coffee just about everywhere today. Dave Phillips with Coffee for Wellness. Just a couple more to wrap up. We mentioned your job as as a body performance coach. You you've been you've had a sort of holistic perspective on performance of the whole body, and and I know that's something you have talked a lot about with Phil and all the other athletes you work with. In terms of coffee coffee incorporating to that, obviously it's been a major part to everyone's brain activity. But have you seen any other benefits to coffee in terms of the whole body performance? Well, I think coffee on it on its own, you know, if you do research on coffee, I mean, a black cup of coffee has the highest antioxidants, um, you know, to add a few things to coffee. And when I look at the athletes, they're all looking for an edge. Every performance athlete, excuse me, is looking for that next little edge. So, I mean, you know, obviously different athletes from different sports require different nutrients. And we look at the whole thing and I look at their nutrition and I find experts to help them with that. 
So I don't put everybody on coffee, but if I find that they like coffee, I start to ask a little bit more about it. How do they use it? Is it just more of that thing that gives them a kick in the morning and wakes them up? Or do they actually use it for performance? Do they feel like, hey, I like this before I run out on the field or I go to the golf course because it it is an anchor for me and I find it focuses me. That's when I'll step in and start suggesting other other things you can put in coffee. But, you know, into into this COVID world we live in today, you know, we need to create a well care society. People need to start taking care of their own health and not relying on big government and people to take care of it for you. And to do that, you really should be thinking about what you put in your body every day. And if you do that, you're likely to stay healthier longer and not need things like health care. So to me, it's a big push today, not only with professional athletes, but even at the, your level. And, you know, I've got kids in college as well. You know, I try and get my kids to understand that just think about what you're putting in your body. You know, it's, it's fine to experiment and try different things, but you should really try and live a wellness life by putting the right things. There's plenty of research and information about coffee, about other great additives you can do. And today, more than anything, you need to keep your immunity strong so that you can protect yourself against viruses like COVID. Absolutely. And, and last one, just transitioning into how you've dealt in in this in this whole crazy pandemic time? Um, I know you're also a big fan of the Whoop Strap. I'm wearing mine as we speak right now. But um, in terms of different places that you've gone throughout the pandemic, maybe staying at home, how has how has this crazy sort of year been for you? Well, you know what? I think you reinvent yourself in business, and and you know, for me, it's been challenging in so many ways for a lot of people. But I built an online platform with my business partner, and we actually turned it on to the world and started educating the world of coaching with what we do, and that has been a huge boom. So, you know, my TPI, our website, we offer seminars, and on those seminars, we train people kind of our methods in golf coaching, and we have a baseball product called On. And we have a tennis product called Racket Fit and so on. And that's been huge. So the fact that we've created an education platform in a time where people are sitting at home and educating themselves, that's a big boom. And as you know, I mean, a lot of you guys aren't able to attend classes and you're doing Zoom classes right. online, as many people are. And hopefully we will go back to some form of normalcy. But I will say this, the future of Zoom is not going away. We, we've learned new businesses using that. And it might enable you to learn something faster in your free time than you've ever learned it before and come out of college much better equipped than you thought to do whatever it is you want to do. And, and that's a pretty cool thing. Dave, this has been awesome. Give, give the uh, audience a quick plug as to, you just mentioned your website, um, but any other social media or sites that, that fans should go to. So, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're interested in our coffee, Coffee for Wellness is where you can find it. Um, you know, I, I'm just TPI Dave, my TPI Dave on Twitter and, and Instagram. And we have Coffee for Wellness on Instagram, too, where you can follow Phil, which is fun to follow. And he's got some great <laughs> things. And he'll always uh, tell you some, some, some choice things that he learns along the road. So he, he's a fun one to follow. But uh, I just hope everybody stays healthy. And uh, if I can help you guys in any way, let me know. All right, Dave Phillips for Coffee for Wellness. Dave, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. You got it. Take care. What a guy. What a 
God, Dave Phillips is. Seriously. Yeah, that was awesome. Shout out to him. Thanks for coming on again. And that podcast will be available later today after the show. But he was a great guy to talk to. Very knowledgeable. And obviously the right-hand man for none other than Phil Mickelson. And this just transitions beautifully into our next story. This was one of the biggest sports stories to come out of the week, folks, depending on who you talk to. And if you're talking to me, this was one of the biggest stories coming out. The Friday after Thanksgiving, Phil Mickelson will be teamed up with Charles Barkley in a golf match. That's right, Charles Barkley in a golf match. Against Stephen Curry and Peyton Manning. So this is similar to what Tom Brady and Peyton Manning did with Tiger and Phil. The match. The match, uh, Champions for Charity, um, over the pandemic. It was right around May or so. Um, May 24th, I believe it was, because it was my sister's birthday. Shout out um, to my sister, Erin. But that was when the match happened. Now they're doing it again with Barkley and Steph Curry put a little basketball spin on it, and we were just talking in the break. Zach just watched a compilation of Charles Barkley's swing. It's awful. Absolutely atrocious. He stops mid-swing and then goes for it. This is not going to be a fun... Like, I don't think I'll be able to watch that You, you over don't and think over. it'll be a good product? No. <laughs> I, I don't know. Are they mic'd up? Yeah, they must not uh, be mic'd up. They must be. After, what, after Tom Brady, when he hold out and he was that that soundbite will live forever that they'll probably that probably has to be part of the equation but having that be phil's partner just seems like a total gag job because we thought coming in that peyton manning and tom brady could maybe golf now the latter didn't really fare well other than that one hole out i remember we were watching as a family my dad he, he couldn't he couldn't watch brady it, it was so bad but <laughs> Charles Barkley may even be worse. He and is. So, so I don't know how this is going to go as a product. There's going to be a ton of spin leading. Uh, there's going to be a ton of hype leading up to it. But what I want to play is Phil's interview this week with Scott Van Pelt on ESPN Sports Center, where he was teasing this match and. He talks about Coffee for Wellness in this interview. It was it was kind of a half introducing Coffee for Wellness to the fans, half introducing this match. And Phil, excuse me, SVP, just put it all together in a beautiful bow in this clip from their interview. You need to get a keg of coffee for Charles. That, that, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Just get a keg, put it on the cart. And bring it for Charles. And I mean, I get that you got confidence, but like, if you can, if you and Charles win the match, I think that that's one of the great career accomplishments in a career that's pretty accomplished. One of the great career accomplishments. It would be a great career accomplishment. I 100% agree. And for SVP to have that genius come into him during an interview, have a keg of coffee for wellness in the back of the cart. And I assume that we're going to be socially distant, everyone's going to be driving their own carts. Or masked up and or masked up tested and and yeah maybe in their own car safe enough. But if Phil, so if if Phil, here's two scenarios: if Phil and Barkley are in the same cart, Phil can even more so trash talk him and push him into drinking the coffee, which, as you just heard from Dave Phillips, has plenty health benefits. The L-theanine and the amino acids and the caffeine help Phil stay focused. It's got him back on track. 
And next, this could get Barkley's game to the next level as well. I got no doubt. Coffee has single-handedly, Phil says, changed my life. The coffee has single-handedly changed my life. Coffee has changed his life. So go buy Coffee for Wellness if you're interested. Coffee has single-handedly changed Phil's life. The coffee has single-handedly changed my life. It's starting to change our show a little bit. We're we're getting some more guests on and and getting into the coffee game, Aiden. So we just introduced on our social media last night the big reveal of not only this Dave Phillips interview that you just held, but we've got three coming up. We've already introduced our first three guests. So you just heard the first interview with Dave Phillips. Next week, we'll be with Scott Lucy over at Wonder State Coffee in Milwaukee. He is the co-owner there. And then week three, we got DJ Miller as the chief experience officer working with the team with Fairgrounds Coffee and Tea in Milwaukee. So it And there's way more to come than that. So we got our first three lined up. First three have been announced, but there's a lot more to come here on Games and Grub. And, and really, the interview with Scott Lucy, we actually already taped yesterday. Again, just another behind the scenes. You'll hear that next Saturday as, as we get the editing done for it. Scott Lucy, he is all in with me trying to get this ranking up from Milwaukee as the 87th ranked coffee city in America, which Uncle Chris and I have been disgusted about. He is full bore, Scott Lucy, helping me to get, or he wants to help me at least, get this ranking up because he believes it is just as much as a travesty as I think it is. So that'll be interesting. 414-288. 7091. If you want to give a prediction on Barkley and Mickelson versus Curry and Peyton Manning. What do you think, Aiden? Do you have a prediction on it? I think I think it's easily Curry and yep. Peyton Got winning it. the match. Yep. As much as Phil Mickelson gets up and, you know, drinks coffee for wellness and plays well in these matches, he played well in he obviously beat Tiger one on one in that first match two years ago. And then or was it one year ago? Yeah. And go. then in this spring pandemic match, played well against Tom Brady with Tiger. So, um, or excuse me, uh, played well with Brady against Tiger and Manning. So as much as Phil can play well in these matches, Peyton, he always gets he gets all the breaks. He gets all the breaks with these matches. He's being, pair, he's being paired with Tiger first time around. And now he gets paired with Stephen Curry, who, as you just said, off the air, what's his handicap? 0. 0.6. 0. 0.6. If you watch Stephen Curry, um, his Facebook watch documentary, Stephen versus the game, like half the documentary is him golfing. He is a huge nut for the game. He was golfing with, you know, the dean of the theology department at USC and talking about life and shout out to Varun Sony, and that was a great episode, but the guy is a huge golfer. So Peyton, he's getting all the breaks in these matches. Uh, I know I'm a Tom Brady fan, and he he didn't. He was he was. Peyton still got to show up. I'm not going to defend. Back there, he's still got to show up and listen, play. Listen, listen. I am not going to sit up here at this desk at 11:27 a.m. on a Saturday morning and tell you Tom Brady was a good golfer. I'm not. I'm not going to do that because I would just be. I'd be. I'd be lying to you. Yeah, I'd be. What is Tom Brady good at? He is good at knowing the downs. No, I'm just kidding. He apparently is, not. Apparently not. He is great at getting his team to 5-2. and two. The Buccaneers are Monday night this week against the Giants, and we didn't get into that. 
but the Giants absolutely collap- collapsing against the Eagles last week. How they respond against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, that's a game I'm looking forward to on Monday. You know what I'm also looking forward to? My next piece of pizza. Ooh. And there was a big headline article from On Milwaukee, which is one of the premier Milwaukee news sites or you know op-ed sites here in the city. The writer here is Bobby Tanzalo. He, I saw this on it, it first came up through Twitter. He said that the beginning of the article that it's pizza week this week, which I had no idea. Maybe it's just the on Milwaukee thing. Is that, is that a world thing? I, I, I have no idea. Um, anyway, I love how he opens up this article. You want to? If read you don't it? mind, no. Just like the start of it, he goes in saying, like. When you when you go into a city, here here's my thought. When you go into a city with fresh eyes, you move to a city. He moved to Milwaukee in 1983. You have fresh eyes on that city. You can write about anything you want. He's writing about pizza. What? 40 years later, of the, in the city of Milwaukee. <laughs> Think about it. He can. He's got this city down. That it just seems like an awesome awesome job to be able to 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 grow with the city and, and see it see it develop. And the pizza scene here that you're going to talk to me about. I can't wait. So he writes about watching his journalist colleague acclimate to Milwaukee, as Zach said, as they both moved from Brooklyn in 1983, where he was a reporter. And this week, he cracked open a discussion that has we've talked a ton about over the show, pizza. And Milwaukee, as I have heard from millions of Milwaukeeans, Ooh, that's got some alliteration there. It's it's took everyone a while here, I think, Zach and I included, to get used to the cracker thin crust, which is technically known as Milwaukee style. I didn't even know Milwaukee had their own style. But one thing that differentiates Milwaukee pizza cutters from a lot of other places is the way they cut the pizza. And this is the headline. Pizza. Squares or triangles? The subheading? I grew up thinking there's a practical reason it's called a pizza pie. You don't cut your apple pie into squares, do you? Great point. So, he goes on to say, I'm still struggling with 30-odd years later, why on earth would one cut a pizza into squares called tavern cut or party cut? It's a pie. You don't cut your strawberry rhubarb or your banana cream into squares, do you? And I know Zach is a huge pie fan. Do you yeah, have a problem? Huge pie fan. Do you have, so you obviously cut your pies into triangles. Yes. Yeah. I don't have a problem with cutting pizza into squares. No. Why not? Um, it's got to be a certain type of pizza. You can't you can't just cut any regular circle pizza in square pieces. Everyone knows that it's got to be a certain type. But you can get better and worse pieces in it. So you can get the smaller piece if you want. That's that's the benefit of the square cut. You can get that small corner piece that's got that crust that's maybe just looks like a little triangle. See, it's interesting how you hear all the different, like you mentioned, places or, or types of pieces that you create when you cut the square slice. And I personally, just to start off, I got no problem with cutting squares. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. No, if diversity I was, in pizza. Diversity in pizza. That's what makes pizza great. You go to Italy, you go to New York, you go to Chicago, L.A., you know, Chicago style is different than what I, I almost went to Chicago style Luminati's with my dad, and I didn't even think it was pizza. It was just an Italian dish. It was so thick. But anyway, 
The problems are manifold, according to Bobby Tanzlo. He writes, first, as, as Zach brings up, brought up, you end up with those tiny triangle corner crust-only pieces that almost no one, except one of my kids, wants. Second, you end up with squares in the middle, triangles at the corners, and in parentheses, corners? How does a circle end up with corners? <laughs> and typically some rectangular pieces. It's a challenge to apportion this out equi equitably. Now, I agree if it's a big party, like we mentioned at the top of the show, making brownies. Yep. It's easier to it's it's tough when you're portioning things out and it's in the same goes for pizza if you bring in a pizza it's like attracting a you know uh sheep with the wolves you know it brings everyone around and cutting it can be a challenge sometimes but what i've come to learn from this article and midwest culture is that it's not a foregone conclusion that if you have your own ability to cut the pizza that everyone wants it as triangles. Some some Midwest kids may want it as squares because that's what they grew up with. So, in the same vein, Bobby Tanzalo has now in the past ordered his pizzas to be not cut so that he can cut it himself. Would you ever make a move like that? Yeah. You would? Yeah. It's interesting. No. <laughs> yes. No, yes. I don't know. That's a tough one, Aiden, because on one hand, you got you, you have control over that pizza. That is your pizza that you bought. But on the other hand, part of buying that pizza is how they serve it to you and the manner in which they serve it to you and what kind of box, with what kind of cuts, with what what's with it. Is it in a bag? Bunch of stuff go along with it. And it's all part of the experience of ordering a pizza. If I'm getting it for the first time, they're going to cut it. After that, I guess I can experience it a different way if I wanted to cut it myself. It's a great point. It's a great spiel. With with great power comes great responsibility. When you have the ability to cut your own pizza, you put the power in your own hands. But you lose a little bit. You lose, you a, little lose bit? a little bit. Why? What? You lose a little element of that pizza buying process. Of it's the, the it's the flair. Yeah. I of the culture. Transitioning to coffee, it's another huge part of where we are. Coffee gets you sometimes these these Cumberland Farms of the world and maybe other convenience stores, Wawa, you know, around the country. Quick trip. Quick trip. Can't can't not mention Quick Trip in quick Wisconsin. Tri <laughs> Wisconsin, that's right. I was I was struggling to think of the other names. A lot of these convenience stores, their marketing ploy to people, to consumers is come in and make the coffee the way you want it instead of going to a coffee shop and getting the Starbucks barista to have your order wrong. So there's a similar comparison where you're you're losing a little bit of the luster. And I personally am not that much of a snob to the way I cut the pizza. I actually am a fan of the squares. I think it adds a little bit of a different flair to a normal triangle type pizza experience so i wouldn't be concerned about this but i thought it was and i know I, I may be in the minority if you had the ability to cut your own pizza especially in a group setting you you may take that chance 414-288-7091 that's 414-288-7091 on twitter at grub mur speaking of cheese and cheese pizza cheese makers zachary are struggling during this pandemic. Again, Wall Street Journal 
this week. I we how are cheesemakers struggling? We got to catch up on our news, right? Yep. So Jesse Newman and Kirk Maltes of the Wall Street Journal write this article this week, and you know the beginning picture that a lot of articles have. Thumbnail? What is it? <laughs> it's a cheesemaker at Wisconsin-based Sartori Company checking okay. curds in the tank in September. Restaurants limit buying as producers ask, how am I going to sell all this Parmesan? <laughs> that is the title of the article? That's the subheading. See, it's it's sad that I laugh at that, but... <laughs> it, no, it is truly a problem. I can imagine supply chains around the world are facing ex- extreme problems with their demand and supply uh, of of all ingredients and in, in making anything. Like, why is cheese just another thing that I forgot hurt from this pandemic? It is a demand shock, as we like to say in economics. Prices for cheeses from mozzarella to cheddar hit near record highs this month, but cheesemakers are on edge after sharp swings in demand have thrown their production plans into disarray. Soaring pieces, soaring prices, excuse me. I'm getting pieces and prices mixed up with all these square triangle conversations. Buyers from pizza chains to grocery stores, restaurants, they want, they, they have a lack of demand. They don't want as much supply in their business, which is hurting the cheese industry. And this hits close to home in Wisconsin, Zach, because where we are, it is basically the cheese capital of the country. Wouldn't you say? I, I, I feel like Yes, yes. So the president at Belgioso, Erico Uricio, a Wisconsin-based cheesemaker, his business had a plunge in demand last spring, forces him to shift from making fresh cheeses that can't be stored like mozzarella to hard cheeses like Parmesan which can be aged for up to a year before they are marketed. So people got to change their business plans because of this whole pandemic, especially in the food industry. And we just talked about pizza. Executives at Domino's and at Little Caesars said sharp shifts in cheese prices pose challenges for the chains, in some cases, boosting costs. The vice president for supply chain for Marco's Pizza, Tim Barr, mid-sized pizza chain based in Toledo, Ohio, said high prices have led his company to seek new, cheaper cheese suppliers. Cheese is by far our highest food cost item. So that's the vice president of supply chain, basically the purchasing manager for a mid-sized pizza chain, saying cheese is by far their highest food cost item, which is speaks a lot to where the industry is these days and how much businesses could be struggling. So... Show love to all your local pizza places. Yeah, show love to the cheese in your life. Show love to the cheese. Think about it. We, uh, Brian and I go back and forth thinking all, I think all Brian buys is cheese and meat. Cheese, meat, and maybe the the occasional, the occasional slice of bread. So, like, give cheese some love in your life. Everyone's life needs a little bit of cheese. What do you think about that? Everyone's got to say cheese once in a while. Absolutely. Even through the mask. You got to, you got to smile. You got to say cheese. You got to eat some cheese. Eat some cheese, drink some cheese, just keep cheese and positive thoughts, folks. That's all you got to do. 414-288-7091. Halloween is upon us. And you know what that means? After today, so starting, maybe today, maybe today too, speaking of businesses, 
businesses are going to start skyrocketing the, skyrocketing the Thanksgiving and Christmas decorations up. And we got Thanksgiving to get to in a couple weeks, but our man Ken Carmen from CBS Sports Radio had a viral take this week, viral, viral food take about how sweet potatoes fit into an NFL system? Roll the clip. Oh, our, our aux cord is not working. That's my bad. Production production team is working on it as we speak. But the produ- <laughs> the production behind this take by Ken Carmen of CBS Sports Radio says that sweet potatoes fit into an NFL system in what way? People make excuses for sweet potatoes like they make excuses for bad quarterbacks. Well, they got to be in this system. They got to be in that system. Well, you have to play to their strengths. Ken, you have to have them with brown sugar and marshmallows and butter. How about I just have the marshmallows and brown sugar and butter? Why do I have to put crap on it? Why do I have to put sweet potatoes with it? See, now I'm having my whole sweet potato thing and I didn't even want to do it. I'd rather eat regular potatoes off a bathroom floor than have your grandma's sweet potatoes. I'll tell you wow. right now. 855-212-4CBS. I thought this was such a great food take, and it compares so much to the Games and Grub spot. I thought we had to play it. Ken Carmen says, people compare sweet potatoes to bad quarterbacks. They got to be in the right system. You got to have marshmallows and whatever crap you put on them. I thought that was a beautiful take. Are you are you a fan of sweet potatoes, Zach? I'm not a fan of that backup quarterback that, that gets praised for not working in the system. If he had the system around him, that I I don't like that. I think a quarterback can can grow if he's good enough. We'll work with any system. How's that? Or the I, system to will adapt to him. I tend to agree. There's some that think you know. Obviously, the most the most uh, heralded system quarterbacks, so called. I don't know is, what you're talking about. Man, Tom Brady. Who's that? Um, people. A lot of people would say he's a system quarterback, but it, it's, I think sometimes the system would adapt to him. Wow, and that's a good thing that there are no comparables to other teams that we can say he's a system quarterback because he hasn't played any other teams. Oh, wait. Great question. And now that storyline's out there on the mainstream media. If you want to talk about that, don't call in here. <laughs> the Tom Brady-Belichick debate is is not. Uh, we might not be. It's, it's almost as it's almost as dark territory as LeBron versus Jordan. Yeah. It's almost that bad. And we we actually did, if you remember, we it was our last episode of the Try to shy away first semester it. or second semester when one of our first co-hosts, Jackson Kowalski, was our big resident LeBron fan. And I let him run with the LeBron versus Jordan debate for a, maybe a 10-minute segment, just him talking. And he was as happy as a clam. But I think that might be our that, last. Yeah, that'll be the extent of the goat uh, talk. I don't think that. I think that'll be the extent of it. We we are here to play sound bites like those from Ken Carmen yeah. and from our. And speaking of LeBron James, talk about LeBron James. Uh, his his papa could say he he could play for the Los Angeles his Lakers. Papa, like the like the. It's like playing for the Patriots and winning. Playing for the Cowboys and winning. It's like playing for the uh, the Yankees. That those are the type of sound bites that we play. Okay, those are, we'll we'll play, we'll play the type of grubs and games sound that that you're looking for. But just to wrap up, um, you we're following the 
Clemson BC game. I know Zach is is following it. Yep, it's fourteen seven right now. BC's ahead of Clemson. First quarter hasn't even ended yet. Oh, they scored again. I'm so not scared. We're in a high flying place to be. And the uh, the backup quarter for quarterback for Clemson. Uh, what is his name? I can't even pronounce it. I won't. I won't give it a shot because Trevor Lawrence is out with COVID, as we uh, said earlier. As we but talked about. We do have a Twitter clip coming up of his family, um, trying to tell the world how to how to say what is it? CJ. DJ. DJ. Ug- Whatever. Ug- you want to give it a shot? Like, you want to spell it out? Uagalele. It sounds like Uagalele. It sounds like Uagalele. So his family. This, this is from Tom Van Heron of ESPN. He tweets, This might be helpful for the weekend. DJ Blank's dad taught some Clemson fans pronunciation of their last name. Play the clip. We are We are Yeah, so that's a Clemson backup quarterback. That, that, if you need some, if you need something to sleep to, don't listen to that. And he's a he's a just family saying you. We are He's a redshirt freshman, and and Clemson actually doesn't have any other quarterbacks but Trevor Lawrence and three freshmen. So uh, and this be, guy's a this guy's a four star recruit, correct? Five star. Five star. I think so, he's up so, there. Yeah. So no, he's, gonna he's, be fine. he's legit. Clemson's going to be fine. This is what Dabo, and this is what I heard yesterday after Trevor Lawrence tested positive. Dabo is a holistic recruiter. Oh, you wouldn't say he's a system recruiter? He doesn't doesn't recruit for just one position. He builds teams. He doesn't have the five-star guy come in for one year and leave like John Calipari. He recruits for a whole team, and, and you know that more than anyone, whether it's Travis Etienne, or they've had Deshaun DeAndre Watson Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, the a list of guys that go two, three, four years. Where normally, if they're going to Bama or they're going to LSU or they're going to Ohio State, they're gonna stay there for a year and head to the league. They got a program down there in South Carolina, Aiden. Great point. Great point. It's a system down there, Dabo. I know. I know. Uh, you're on the record saying he'll stay at Clemson for the rest of his. Coaching life, except if maybe he, he gets that Alabama, Alabama job, he might go to Alabama. We'll see. That that's a that's another topic for another day. Let's get to baseball for a second to wrap up mm-hmm. because we have to mention. Uh, speaking of LeBron James and the LA Lakers winning the championship, LA gets their second championship within three weeks as the LA Dodgers pull off the World Series. But the bigger story was Justin Turner testing positive for COVID during the game, had to be pulled from the game, and then once the Dodgers won and the celebration was on, he came back onto the field with a mask on and ended up taking his mask off for the team picture, sitting cheek-to-cheek right next to Dave Roberts, who ends up uh, actually being a cancer survivor and is therefore at higher risk for COVID-19. So Justin Turner, was he justified going going back on the field after his team wins the World Series and he's worked for this his whole life. No, I understand that this is what he's worked for. Can we, can we, clarify? Can we oh. clarify that he 
he had his test come back during the game. Yeah. So the 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 story is, and there's a lot of there's a lot of holes to this story. A lot, like a lot. way too many for me to believe something else isn't going on behind the scenes. That's what I've and I've looked at it over and over, but I I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to hide. I don't know what procedure wasn't followed for this to happen. It's very interesting. So on the twenty on Tuesday of this week, the Dodgers played the Rays in Game Six, and it turns out that. The MLB runs, and I'm sure the NBA and the NHL and, and all the other bubble sports have done this, MLS, WNBA, have the tests for the prior day come in. So, for example, in this case, on Tuesday, Monday's tests had their results. And on Tuesday, the tests for the Dodgers didn't come back for Monday's tests. till the middle of the sixth? The second inning. Oh, the second. In the game. And Justin Turner's test ended up coming back inconclusive. Inconclusive for Monday's test was inconclusive. They found out on Tuesday in the second inning. So, if he's inconclusive, this is the first hole. Why are you getting the test back in the middle of the game in case somebody's positive? Yeah. Second hole. Yeah. Uh-huh. Second hole. They don't pull him out of the game when the test comes back inconclusive. Third hole. He gets pulled out of the game eventually. He gets pulled out of the game. So, so here's the rest of the story. Tuesday's test, they end up rushing. So Justin Turner takes his Tuesday test, and after they found out that Monday's test was inconclusive, they rushed Tuesday's test into the machine, and in the seventh inning found out that it was indeed oh. positive. So this is the seventh inning, and this is when Justin Turner gets pulled from the game. So that third hole is why isn't he pulled in the second inning when it's inconclusive? And the third hole for me is he is stays he's staying in the building, he's staying in the locker room, he's staying in the stadium. Yeah, I think I think they uh for isolation. Yeah, they isolated him somewhere in the They isolated house. him. But sure enough, once the game is over and the Dodgers win the championship. This is the weirdest part though. He sends a tweet before he he sends a tweet out. Yeah, when was that tweet sent out? He sends it out right after the game ends and says, I'm no symptoms at all, just experiencing every emotion you can possibly imagine. Can't believe I couldn't be out there to celebrate with my guys. And then he's out on the field. Unbelievable. I imagine within minutes of sending that tweet, he's out on the field. So here's this other hole to it. Some security guard got soft. I think he was begging and pleading and yearning to get back out on that field to celebrate for, again, an, ev- an event that he's worked for for his entire life. Well, there shouldn't be a security. It shouldn't be the security guard's fault. There should be no talk of that. He shouldn't have gone out on the field after testing positive for coronavirus, no matter how much the city of L.A. loves him. And now they're looking back and saying, why'd you do this? You just ruined every... That was the story of the night for every every baseball fan that wasn't a Dodger, even Dodgers fans. And I totally understand his perspective. It ruined it. I totally understand his perspective because, as we've seen with past athletes, COVID-19, whether it's Trevor Lawrence, think about today. No one's worried about if Trevor Lawrence is going to be the same player that he is. It's the same with No, I, d- I disagree because Ken Athletes Newton. aren't worried about COVID. No, but they're... I'm worried about it in, in, the, in the weeks they have off. Not, I agree, not like the long-term effects of COVID, not the real 
Trevor Lawrence will be out for two weeks. Will he come back in the same way that he was playing the first five weeks of the year? That's my concern with that. But do you think COVID, COVID? I agree that athletes are, especially Kirk Cousins, <laughs> are being a little childish. So do you, do you think? Are you worried about Trevor Lawrence's ability to play after he comes back to this and be, yes. be at the same level? Yes, absolutely. Really? Yes, I think I I told you that earlier. He he's been going since mid mid summer, working hard. You get into a grind of things, and then you just have to call it quits. It's the same thing with the the Patriots. They had to shut down the facility a couple times. It throws you off. Yeah, I mean, you just brought up Cam Newton. That would be your one golden Oops. argument for why I, if athletes playing styles have been affected. But I think the greater majority of athletes haven't been affected by this in terms of their in terms of their play. And I yep. think when it comes to Cam Newton, he may be the anomaly. The other anomaly would be Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, who came out publicly after he was diagnosed and recovered and said he had it really bad. There were times where he thought he was going to die. He thought he was having heart attacks. It, he didn't have a good spell with it. And he ended up coming back and was in the MVP conversation in the National League. So as much as a bad experience that he had with COVID, he ended up actually having a record-breaking season. So in terms of professional athletes being concerned about it, I, I don't see it. And I understand that's that's why Justin Turner was, was probably... Stephen A. Smith defends Justin Turner and says that he shouldn't be fined or... or uh... Or, sorry, the the baseball was, so the MLB came out with a statement and, and basically covered their you-know-whats. They don't want to, well, they, yeah, but they didn't punish him at all. They didn't, he hasn't said a word, like, publicly. I bet you that. No apology yet. I bet you at, at, at the end of the season, and especially after their World Series champions, just from a PR perspective, he won't get, you know, a suspension, or he may get a fine, but th- this won't be, this won't come down to a, you know, Deflate gate like court case, and this won't be yeah. a, this won't be a major story going forward. I'm uh, I'm taking a professional communications course currently, and we go through companies' uh, professional communication structure. I can only imagine being the PR head of PR for the Dodgers right now, and what's going through your oh, head. I wouldn't even begin to figure out what I would do. I I I, I can't even start. Speaking of our. World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. One of the guys who got big redemption in this series was Clayton Kershaw. And he was interviewed after the game millions of times. And I was listening to Clayton Kershaw's voice. And maybe this is just me, but listen to this clip and then I'm gonna play another one if you and you're gonna see if I am am at any point delusional. So here's Clayton Kershaw. Their job to hold them down. They find a way to get you on that offense. All right, let's go back to Arlington. We are joined by Clayton Kershaw. And Clayton, uh, it's Kevin Burkhardt and the guys back here. And, you know, I want from from your perspective here, here you are, we see you, you know, walking around with your family. And you're essentially doing this in your hometown. And, and, and you finally got a chance to taste victory in this whole thing and be a World Series champion. Just tell me your emotions right now, what you're feeling. Uh, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, I feel pretty good, man. It's uh, it's hard to describe. You know, you work so hard. You know, we've been to the postseason. I've been to the postseason. I've lost every single year. You know, lost every single year. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta break this story because we yeah, got we break- breaking news right when that clip came out. We I just saw it. News coming out. I just saw it online. The the Big Ten. I don't have the date for it yet. It's that breaking. Um, 
or it, it maybe happened a day ago, but I haven't seen it. The Big Ten ACC Challenge, one of the many challenges that happens inter interconference. Inter yeah, interconference. Interconference. Yeah. Um, games take place. It's usually like a seven game or something like that. Like half the conference, a little bit more than half com- conference takes place, or every team. Um, and the ACC is playing the Big Ten. Virginia would be playing Michigan State. And do you know who is at Michigan State and eligible this year? And do you know who is at Virginia this year and eligible this year? Marquette fans, listen up. I'm not sure if I'm excited about this. For the Michigan State Wolverines, that would be our former Michigan State Wolverines? Excuse me. Spartans. Michigan State Spartans. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, sorry. I got to start over. For the Michigan State Spartans, that would be our former neighbor, Joey Hauser. And for the Virginia Cavaliers, that would be our former beloved Marquette legend, Sam Hauser. Brother versus brother. It's coming to basketball this year. Just wait. Joey versus Sam Hauser. This is breaking news coming live from Zach's phone. It's live on Twitter. It's live everywhere. How the heck is How this, did this happen? Work? How did this happen? Think about it. Two years ago, you were sitting. They were they were playing at Marquette as brothers. They played together in high school. They played together before that. I I imagine they practice against each other all the time. All the time. This actually. should be. This, I'll I'll be excited You're to watch it. Very excited for this. I th- I'd say we're both. After the hump of of getting over them leaving, we're we're both supporting both of them. You think so? Are you? Do you think I, the, I definitely do you am. think the majority of Marquette fans are? No. You don't think so? Yeah. I, I, no, I, 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 I don't think agree. so. But I think we're a little bit more mature than most Marquette fans <laughs> that would have Wojo fired after two losses in yeah. this season. So <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I, I will sit there and this will definitely be a must watch to, to see them go back and forth. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll talk about all all of a segment with this coming up next week. I guess I guess I have to because this is exciting. All this the is different storylines come yeah, together. so there, many. There's a lot to there's a Especially lot to unpack. Marquette fan. A lot to unpack. Speaking of Marquette, we gotta we have to give our due to Dawson Garcia, who was named Big East preseason freshman of the year. Congratulations, yep. Dawson. We got DJ Carden as an honorable mention in those categories as well. In the Big East Player of the Year. In the Big East Player of the Year, right? Was he? You know, he couldn't be. He's not a freshman anymore. Uh, he is not a freshman. Sophomore, anymore, correct? So he got an honorable mention for preseason All Big East. All Big East team. So yep. Dawson Garcia okay. was named Big East preseason Freshman of the Year, and then DJ Carton, for our man from Bettendorf, Iowa, was transferred from Ohio State at the end of the. Last year, he was named preseason All-Big East Honorable Mention. By Look at that. So, Joey Hauser and Sam Hauser will never play DJ Carton. And DJ's over here at Marquette. Unless March Madness. Yeah. Here, hey, it's madness. Imagine. You never know. The, hey, there's a there's a two out of 64 chance, or one one out of 64 chance that uh, we end up getting, Marquette gets uh, scheduled with them. You never know. Yeah. So, that's where we're at, and I think I think that's where we gotta end it. Right? Yeah, that was <laughs> that, <laughs> that's good breaking news to end it. I know you're sitting on the edge of your chairs at home, but if that just spooks you out, like Halloween, yeah, Halloween, that's a little spooky that that just happened, isn't it? Isn't it? 
breaking news from Halloween. Joey versus Sam Hauser. It's well, going to come to your TV very soon. And that's going to do it for us today. <sighs> Any final words? Go, Sam. Go, Joey. We'll be rooting for you. Have a spooktacular day. Have a spooktacular day. Have a spooktacular Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> spooktacular Saturday. Have a spooktacular Saturday. That's a tongue twister. Happy Halloween. All of this need for you. Biting my nails got me nervous. So anxious. See, it's one o'clock now. Noon felt like three hours ago. I just wanna know your ETA